like feels like summertime and finally we got rid of some rain and got into some heat and uh man it's just such a fun guys it goes so fast get out there and enjoy it you live in colorado everybody should just go oh you live here so get out there and enjoy it i hope you will hey dads it's father's day stand up we want to say congratulations all dads come on stand up Yeah. Good job. Wow. Fantastic. And if you came with that guy that just stood up and you didn't know it was Father's Day, we are trying to help you out. Okay? It's great to see you. Fun to be with you. Hey, VBS this past week, so many of you helped. Uh, Hundreds of kids. The new playground. where We have video footage. That in a couple of weeks, we're going to show you kind of a spotlight of everything that happened. Kids' lives were changed. And Pastor Donnie, who just emceed, did a phenomenal job. And all of you who helped, um, could we just say thank you to Pastor Donnie and the team? So many people. Really cool. It's, it's fun to see that. And uh, how many of you have already been down the slide out there on the new playground? Okay. I was just amazed we had no broken bones. With over 500 kids playing out there, you know, at one time. So, there is a God. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's fun. We are having fun with a series um, called Trip Advisor. Now, I have learned something this weekend. I have learned that not that many people use Trip Advisor or know about it. How many of you have never heard of it? Okay, more, more than that. Um, Trip Advisor is an app that you can put on your device, mobile device, and, and rate the hotels you stay in. You can rate anything. There's all kinds of stuff. Restaurants are rated. And when people take trips, there's people who literally are very proud of how they rate. And you can read the details of that particular restaurant or that particular meal. And sometimes it's very mean. Sometimes it's very kind. But TripAdvisor, lots of people check it before they travel to see what everyone thinks of it, where they're staying and everything. So we thought, why don't we do a summer series about all the stories in the Bible where somebody travels. And so Pastor Jeff kicked it off last week, and uh, I'm, I'm continuing it this week. They're all standalone uh, weekends, but all the stories you're going to hear throughout the summer are about traveling and what happens. Because how many of you know exciting things happen when you travel? You know, you just, you can't ever guess what's going to happen, and there's always the unknowns. And so today, we are looking at a story, I've called it the Northeaster. Now, how many of you, when you saw the title, you know where that is in the Bible? I just want to know. Anybody? It's in Acts 27. There is actually a storm that is named. You know how we name storms? Hurricane, Sally, Hurricane, all these. Well, it's called the Northeaster, and Paul is a prisoner on a boat with a bunch of guys who were trying to get him to Rome. And 
they end up in the northeaster storm and it just wipes them out. I mean, the boat goes down, they end up on this island, and it's a fast and furious story of all kinds of drama and uh, crazy stuff that goes on, a wild mess, but God was with them. So what we've done with most every sermon, we've included a trip advisor of what people might say had they been on this trip. Okay? So, so here's a few from TripAdvisor about this trip. Smelly men on board ship. Very bad weather. Poor cabin conditions. Port excursions very limited. Had to swim every time. Prisoners on board. Bathroom on board. Do not use it. <laughs> so, with that, let's dive in. This is a story about where God has made a promise to Paul to get him to Rome. He has to appear. So it's a big God story. What we do at Timberline all the time is we like to tell the story, the narrative in the Bible, but then we also really like to stop and think, what, what are the things that happen in our lives that we need help with? And what are the things that go on in those places where we say, God, I don't know what to expect, I don't know what to do, but I really need your help in this whole story. So that's what we're doing. The first thing I want you to jot down is relationships matter most. Relationships matter most. And when I think about relationships in this story, there's something really specific that happens at the beginning of the story. So let me just read from chapter 27. I apologize. It says chapter 26 in your outline. That was my fault. It's chapter 27, okay? So if you have your Bible, open it up there and follow along. It says, when the time came, we set sail for Italy. Paul and several other prisoners were placed in the custody of a Roman officer named what? Julius. And that's very important for you to get this connection. He's talked about in a moment. A captain of the Imperial Regiment. Uh, Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was also with us. We left on a ship whose home port was in Adraminium on the northeast coast of the province of Asia. It was scheduled to make several stops and ports along the coast of the province. Now look at verse 3. The next day, when we docked at Sidon, Julius, who's that? He's the guard that's in charge of getting Paul there, was very kind to Paul. And he let him go ashore to visit with some friends so they could provide for his need. Now, that fascinates me. Sometimes we just read over stuff like that and we don't think about the ramifications. If I was put in charge of a prisoner, I'm not sure I would want him to be going off board to see his friends. What if he's planning an escape? What if he's trying to get away? What happened between Julius and Paul, I think, is very significant. I think that Paul knew how to build bridges to people and Paul knew how to be trustworthy so the, the fact that Julius could actually trust Paul to not try to run away was a very big deal. And so relationships in this story are formed right here in the beginning. Before they have all the problems, before they have the dilemmas, there's some good relationships that are established in this story. How do we value people? Here's the potential of Julius being an enemy of Paul, and, or Paul viewing him that way. May I suggest that as people of faith, as people who are encouraged by what the Spirit does in our lives, that we need to be the leaders 
in leading the way toward building bridges with people who might not even like us? And that's a challenge for us because we get selfish just like everybody else. But as a person whose kingdom is not the earth, but we believe our kingdom, the kingdom of God, will come to this earth one day, and we need to be living in that dwelling, in that understanding even now. Let's build relationships even to people who might not want to reciprocate and have that relationship back. Let's not burn bridges with people, even if they're rude, even if they're mean. We don't need to burn those bridges. I was in a meeting here a while back, just as an, as an attendee, had nothing to do with church or anything. And um, I saw two guys get really selfish, self-centered, and it, it created such division in the meeting that basically it just burned bridges. And, and I don't think there's ever going to be a, a way to restore that relationship, all because of stubbornness. And kind of a mean streak and saying some things that they couldn't take back. And you know, once those words come out of your mouth, <laughs> they need to be the right words. Anybody realize that? And so Paul did a good job. Julius did a good job. They, they worked together even though they were on opposite sides of the fence. The second thing that, that we need to talk about is, in your notes, is this. We all must face the wind. The wind in this story is the very thing that's going to drive the boat into the rocks and crash it. How many of you have ever been on a sailboat? Okay. I, uh, I tried years ago. I got on one of those boards that has a sail on it. You ever tried that? It's pretty fun, isn't it? And if the wind is blowing very hard, you can go really fast. And it's very scary, especially when you fall into a face plant on the pole. You know, that's not a good thing. But the wind is your friend. If, if you like to be on a sailboat, you need wind or you can't move. So they were kind of happy about the wind, but it was blowing too hard. Verse 4, putting out to sea from there, we encountered strong headwinds. And that's not what you want. It made it difficult to keep the ship on course. So we sailed north of Cyprus between the island and the mainland. You go on down to verse 9 and it says, We had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. And Paul spoke up to the ship's officers about it. Okay, this is very important. Paul is making a statement to the owner of the ship and to the captain of the ship, not Julius, that's his guard, and he's saying to them, I think we better stay here. The winter is bad. He really explains it even more later. But he's feeling something of an intuitive moment. Maybe the Spirit's leading him, guiding him. But he knows that this is not what they should be doing or where they should be going. When you face the wind, what is your reaction going to be? What happens when you face a storm? You know, when I, when I look out at a room like this and I see people who, so many of you, I know your story, I know your journey. Uh, we've prayed for you regularly through the years. I look at the last few weeks at Timberline with six funerals or whatever it's been. Some of these, uh, that 16-year-old boy from Poudre High School, just a terrible, tragic death that Pastor Steve did the funeral for that. Some of you who have lost loved ones, just dramatic moments in your life. That's the wind blowing. That's the storm that happens that we don't expect. We, we pretty much expect that this week is going to happen in the way that we foresee it happening. But storms come into our lives. Some of you are facing stuff right now and the wind is blowing really hard and you've got to make some decisions about where you want to go with that wind. What does it mean to face the wind? Let me give you a few thoughts here. 
I think it means, first of all, that I'm going to try to ride the wind. I'm going to try to take this situation that's come into my life. Maybe I brought it on myself. Maybe I didn't. But I'm going to try to make the best of it. That's one commitment that I, I want to always make in my life, and I hope you'll do the same. How can I ride this wind? What can I learn from it? How can I utilize it? I don't want it to be here, but it's here, and i got to keep going. It also means that um, I may be transitioning to a place that I didn't know I was going to. And, and sometimes the wind, if it's blowing too hard and not the right direction, if that's the kind of storm you're in, you might end up somewhere you didn't want to be. And some of you right now are going right through job changes. You have a different financial picture. It's a relationship that you're going through that's big on your plate right now. And, and you're, you're praying. You're asking God. The wind is blowing. I didn't really expect to do this. I didn't expect to be here. But that's the direction that I have to go. And I think those are really important factors to say, God, where are you with all this wind, with this storm that's coming to my life? It also means that I'm going to constantly be making adjustments. You know, if you've ever been sailing, you're constantly having a little movement to find the best wind and to, and to find the direction that you want to go and where you want to end up at. And some of you right now, you need to make some adjustments in your life. Some stuff has happened to you that you didn't expect, and you need to pay attention to that. And you need to be prayerful about that. Paul was watching all this happen right before his eyes. And he was feeling something of the Spirit, and he needed to try to discern it. And will you respond in a proper way when the wind hits you in the face and you didn't see it coming. Number three. This is where it gets really interesting. Sometimes people do not always want to hear the truth. How many of you know that? You know, if you've ever tried to tell somebody um, something and they just wouldn't listen, um, man, it's, it's tough to get through to them. Paul, he sits all these guys down. It's all men on the boat. And he says, men... Verse 10, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, <laughs> loss of cargo, danger to our lives as well. Now, he doesn't know at this point this is going to happen, but he's taking an educated guess. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner of the ship than to Paul. Big mistake. And since Fair Havens was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go on to Phoenix. How many of you like to go to Phoenix in the winter? <laughs> this Phoenix has nothing to do with Arizona, just so you know. Farther up the coast of Crete and spend the winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southwest and southwest, northwest exposure. Now, here's the question. How did Paul know that they may lose this ship and they may lose some cargo and they might even lose life? Did he have a knack for knowing about the sea? He's a pretty, he's a pretty knowledgeable guy. And sailors get really good at this. They can temps and wind and direction and waves and all kinds of variables. Or... Do you think maybe the Holy Spirit of God was putting a discernment thing in him so that he would speak up and say, guys, I don't feel good about this. I would like to propose that we at Timberline believe that every individual who follows Jesus has the, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. 
It renews our mind. What this means is that your thinking can be more godly than if you don't have that renewed mind. It also means that there are gifts that the Holy Spirit can use through you that can empower you by the Spirit. Gifts like discernment, like knowledge. I think Paul, I think the Spirit in Paul is discerning that this storm is right around the corner. And he's trying to warn them to say, don't do it. Here's the whole point. This is how it applies. I would encourage you before you make a big decision with your life, Bonnie and I have made a habit of this before we've ever purchased a house, even like an automobile. It doesn't mean we've always bought the right ones. You know, I don't know that God cares that much about what kind of car you drive. But here's what I do know. Sometimes in decisions that we make, I just I won't have a peace about something. And I won't always know why. Anybody relate to that? You say, well, should we go there? Well, I don't know. I just I don't have a peace about going to that part of the world right now. And sometimes it's just fear, and I need to overcome it. But other times I think it's discernment. I think Paul's really discerning, and they should have listened to him, but they're going to learn a lesson, which you don't want them to have to learn. I want to be someone who can discern as God wants me to. What do you do when someone doesn't listen to you? Do you just kind of write them off? Um, have you ever tried to really help somebody by confronting them in some way and they just blow you off and it's like, no, you're wrong. And you go, man, I tried and, and it's frustrating. I would say just a couple things and we'll move on. I would say first, keep loving them. Keep loving them no matter, no matter what, even if they don't listen and, and keep talking to them. Ask them how it's going. Be involved in their life. Paul stayed in this boat. Obviously, he didn't have a choice, but in a few minutes, you'll hear what he said, and he's still engaged, and he's still trying to help. He didn't just get mad and say, okay, fine then, do what you want, I don't care, you're all going to die. That's not the attitude he took. Um, Stay in touch. Maybe you have a family member or someone right now that's a prodigal, or they're running away, or you don't know how to help them. Stay in touch. And, And sometimes it's a matter of just outliving the situation and staying at it and running back to them and and trying to be the best you can for them. Number four, managing chaos. It's about to get worse. They have some real chaos that's about to happen on this ship. And I think this is a, a, life, a life story for everyone in this room. Um, we all have to learn how to manage chaos. So how are you going to manage it? Verse 13, listen to this. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought that they could make it. So there's kind of like this lull in the storm, and they go, let's do it. Let's go there now. They pulled up anchor, and they sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly. I hate that. And a wind of typhoon strength called what? The Northeaster. (laughs) It burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and they let it run before the gale. And this is a scary moment. This is really crazy. Skipping down to verse 18. The next day, okay, that's a long time. We read this and it's like two seconds, but a whole day and then another day and another day. This is saying days. As gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. 
There's some verses in between these that talk about how they pulled up the dinghy which was being pulled behind the boat. And they took the ropes from the boat and they put them around the hull, which is the front of the ship. And they tried to tie it tighter together because boards were coming apart. It was just getting battered by the sea. How scary would that be? How many of you have ever been in a storm on the, on the sea or in a lake or something? It's pretty scary when you're in a boat. My family always went to Lake Powell growing up as a kid every summer. And we'd get this houseboat and we had a ski boat. And uh, us kids, man, we thought we were in heaven because it was like, you know, when you're 10 years old, and really there's no age limit. That place is just magic. And, and we would spend like 10 days there. And we could invite a friend. There's five of us kids. And so it ended up being a bunch of people on the boat. And I remember driving our ski boat. I was probably 13 years old. And, um, and I was following the houseboat. And this, this storm came on this Lake Powell. And, and it's not the ocean, but it can get, you know, three or four foot swells pretty fast. And I remember I was so scared. And I did one of those things that you do when you're in that situation. Oh, God. <laughs> if, if you get me through this. I promise I'll never come out here again in waves like this. How many of you prayed that prayer? And how many of you know God rolls his eyes and says, I've heard that before? (laughs) How am I going to manage chaos? Um, The first thing I want to say to you, don't blame others. This is a hard lesson because our world loves to point the finger. But blaming someone does not help the situation. Let's, let's establish this. What if it really is someone's fault? They, they made an error. They got it wrong. I think it's okay to confront them to say, do you understand that we're in this situation because you put us here? I want you to feel the weight of that so next time you'll be wiser. I get that. But when you start blaming, resentment starts growing. And if you can't just let it go, you're not going to help the situation get better. You're going to sulk in a broken relationship. And you're just going to get angry, and your actions are not going to be godly. So don't play the blame game. And and then do the best with what you have. You know, help. I I see Paul helping these guys with these ropes. I see everyone coming together. They're going to die. Their lives are at risk. I I think you can also seek God in every situation. Because I've been in situations that I don't believe was the will of God for me to be in. God didn't create the situation. Maybe some other people helped create it. Maybe I created it. But I needed help. And, and I've learned, if I, if I am in a dilemma, I'm going to cry out to God. And some of you right now, if, you're, if you need to throw that lifeline, God is the best option you have. If you're in a crisis and you're in the storm, trust God. Just say, Lord, I blew it. I, I'm in a situation that I'm in over my head. Please save me, rescue me from myself or from others. It's just so important that we get that right. And then learn from everybody. You know, don't be stubborn. Don't be that strong-willed person that can't take counsel. Um, yield. Submit yourself to one another. And learn from people who might just have a little more knowledge than you about the situation. I guarantee you, every sailor on board was trying to do their best to help. You know, turn the rudder. Go that way. Throw me that rope. Tie it off over there. Everybody's trying to help as a team. That's very important. When you're in chaos... Learn from everybody around you. Number five, we should be people of hope. If there's there's anyone on the planet that should have hope, it should be us, the people of faith. And we need to deposit that 
in a world that has very little hope. People are living really afraid right now. And, and there's a lot of reason to be afraid. But we are the people of hope, and we believe God is not nervous. We believe God is doing God, God's job, and, and He's not freaking out. And so I don't have to freak out. So here's what happens. Verse 21. This is kind of funny. No one had eaten for a long time. So finally, Paul called the crew together. First thing he says is this. Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. <laughs> he just had to get it out, didn't he? I love that about Paul. You should have listened to me. None of this would have happened. He goes on to say, you would have avoided all this damage and all this loss if you paid attention to what I said. Question before we keep reading. Do you think Paul is just doing an I told you so? Or do you think there's something bigger? There's something bigger here. You know what Paul's actually saying? He's saying, because he's about to tell him about God appearing to him. He's saying, guys, God is on my side, and I was, God was trying to help us avoid this storm. But you wouldn't listen, and I'm going to tell you something else right now, and I hope you listen this time. Because it's God talking, not just me. And I would be listening if I was a sailor on this boat. And I think everybody was. So, it says, um, take, but take courage. That's a great line. None of you will lose your lives. I'm sure they were relieved. <laughs> Even though the ship will go down. <laughs> oh, great. Here's, here's, uh, here's happy, sad emotions going on, just like that. You're not going to die, but the ship's going to sink. And then he tells why he knows this. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul. For you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So, take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. <laughs> you know what's great about this, this trip, this journey? Sometimes, it doesn't just all work out. You ever hear people say that? Oh, it's all going to work out in the end. Not always. Yeah, there'll be an end, but it might not work out in a way that you want it to work out. And I think living with that reality is a good gut check for people of faith. Because sometimes we think it's all about the happy little ending with the right house on the right street in the right neighborhood with the right perfect little family and everything just works out. No, it doesn't. Sometimes the ship gets wrecked and it sinks to the bottom. And you're swimming for your life. And this story, just to finish the story quickly, the ship did fall apart. The wind kept blowing, and it just shattered. Uh, you can read the narrative, even in the next chapter. People are hanging on to planks, trying to get to shore. But it happens right by this little island. Everyone is washed up on this little island. And there are, there are natives on the island who welcome them. And imagine how exhausted. For days they've been in this storm. They finally get to shore. They're walking out of the water. The islanders are probably like, whoa, what is this? What is happening? And they're trying to build a fire to get everybody warmed up. And Paul reaches over. This is the place in the Bible, if you've heard about it, where Paul gets bit by a snake. And it's a deadly viper. Many theologians try to name what snake it was. There are snakes on this island that can kill you in less than two minutes. Or maybe it's four minutes. But that's still pretty fast. Um, 
And so the islanders are, are looking at Paul who just got bit. And they see the snake hanging from where it's biting him. And he shakes it off. And all of them go, oh, he's a bad man. He must deserve punishment. And then four minutes goes by and he's still building the fire. And nothing has happened to him. So they go, oh, he must be a god. <laughs> we, we must worship him. He's like, you know what? I, I'm not evil and I'm not God. But I've had a tough couple of weeks. Can we just build a fire? I just want to build a fire. It's a great story. What are, what, are, what are some of the takeaways for us, just to wrap this up? We call this our living room because we talk about real life here. And I've put four questions down that I hope, I hope you'll take seriously. Because these questions really matter in your tomorrow, in your Tuesday and Wednesday. And so the first question that I want you to think about in light of this great story is, am I prepared for a storm? If a storm hit me today, where is my faith? I realize sometimes God does not give us the faith or the comfort until we are in the storm. And then, boom, we have what we need there. But I need to be doing everything in my power to be ready for whatever storm hits. And I, I, I play these scenarios which are terrible in my mind. Uh, do, you, do you guys ever think about, like, oh, this would be the worst-case scenario of something that could happen? And then you feel really guilty for even thinking like that because you think, oh, if I'm thinking that, maybe it's going to happen. I'm sorry, God, I shouldn't think like that. And, get, and there's all this war going on. I think, what if my wife died? What if what, something happened to our kids? What if? And you, you go through this list of like the worst things that you could ever think of happening in your life. And the reality is sometimes thinking those ways are helpful in planning for what I might do if I face a severe storm in my life. If you get a disease, how are you going to respond? Well, maybe you never get one. I don't know. But what level of faith do I have to trust God if the storm hits? Am I prepared? Number two, do I live in panic mode and why? You know, I would suggest that if, if your life is just filled with chaos all the time, every day, and you're in panic mode all the time, you need to make some decisions that change in your lifestyle. And that's just being godly with your time and resources. That's why God gives us the peace of God. That's why he says, cast your cares onto me. Be anxious for nothing. Our world is anxious. Our world is nervous. People are worried. They're living, fretting. They can't even breathe. And I think God wants sometimes to show up and say, hey, rest. Stop it. Relax with me. Let me be God. I'm here now. Don't live in chaos. Number three, am I listening to the right people? That's a big question. If they would have listened to Paul, the godly guy, they would have avoided losing their ship. It was costly for the owner of that ship. This is before the days of insurance. <laughs> okay. Who am I listening to that can get in my face and confront me when I need it most? Make a list. Write the people's names down on there. Who are you listening to? And if you're not listening to good people, you're not going to get good counsel. The last thing is this. How do I encourage those around me? And I want to stop on that one and just say, you guys, we all need encouragement. What would happen if you just took a minute right now and wrote the name of two or three people down on your notes or in your mind? And said, I know this person needs to be encouraged right now. I know they're facing stuff. 
and I'm going to be the one to encourage him. Think of a friend or a family member that needs your encouragement and send them a text. Leave them a voicemail. Send them a card. Might just say, thinking of you, want to encourage you. You don't have to over talk, but we need to be the people of faith because you never know when you're going to face a Northeaster because there are storms like that still out there. Let's pray together. Lord, those storms are real. And we need you in this moment to come and touch our spirit, our hearts, our bodies. Prepare us, God, to be honest in this moment and really let you speak to us and encourage us. With heads bowed in here, again, trusting one another, trusting this moment, trusting God. How many of you, I won't even name all the different kinds of storms there are. There are tons. But how many of you would just raise your hand to say, I am in a storm right now and I need God's help. Just hold it up. You're holding it up to God, not to me. Because we're just going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, the God who made us, we agree together with our family members, our brothers, our sisters in this room. We ask you, to guide them through this Northeaster. Guide them through this storm at a level that they cannot even believe how big you are. I just pray that you would give them insight, give them discernment to make proper decisions with what they have, to listen to the people around them that you want them to be listening to. Give them an intuitiveness from your spirit about making good little decisions which can equal a big decision at the end. Lord, we trust you. We love these people. We bless them in your name. And we ask for your favor upon them. And don't let the anxiety of this storm take them out. I just pray that they would cast their care on you right now. That they would throw you the rope. That you would be the God who would show up in their storm. Even if things don't all work out perfectly, I know that you're with them. And show them that you're with them and you care. And that means, that means more than anything. Secondly, how many of you might be here and you just say, you know, I'm a pretty independent thinker and I'm not real needy and sometimes I don't depend on God. And I I think I'm reminded today that I really need to reach out to God more in my everyday life. Are you here? Is that you? God bless you. You just need to trust Him with some of these things instead of just put piling it on your life. Some of you are stressed out because you're just trying to do everything instead of saying, God, show me how. To navigate through this. So I pray for them, Lord. I pray for folks that just need a helping hand. They need your spirit. They need your peace. And they want to reach out to you today just a little more than they ever have before. Lord, even maybe those that don't even really claim to know you or follow you, let them have faith today to trust you with with their life and their future. Lastly, I want to ask if you will be an encourager. Will you, will you commit right now in this moment of prayer to say, I'm going to encourage other people with my life. Because of Paul's faith in God, everyone on that crew had their life spared. What is your circle of influence? Think about that. Because you are here, it changes other people's destiny. That's a big statement. Your faith in God matters to those who don't have faith in God. And God's favor on your life impacts the ripple effect way beyond you. 
So, Lord, we just we ask for that. We ask for that ripple to go into our family, our friends, our workplace, and help us to be encouragers for the glory of God. Amen.